little number from the Anchorman soundtrack. Appropriate for uh, today's guest. The movie from 2004 with Will Ferrell and uh, cast of characters. What, what was your favorite scene of that movie, Devaney? Hmm. That's a great, that's a great, uh, great question, Chris. <laughs> I can't remember the movie. I just remember it was funny. I mean, you know, you got to go the, for any bar questions in the future of your favorite Anchorman scene, you got to go with like with the fight, right? The battle between all the, all the channels. Oh, that's really, that's, ben that's Stiller good point. How and, appropriate. Uh, yeah. And uh, um, all of the, you know, uh, Vince Vaughn and everybody comes out and, you know, did you throw a trident there type stuff? So that anyway. was a good cast. It was in that movie. Just, Fantastic, funny movie, two thousand four. Kind of. I mean, our guest today is no Ron Burgundy. He is not. It's a good thing, but he is not. He is an anchorman. Yes, we're, uh, we're we're we chose Anchorman because we are we're talking to Bob Mueller with Channel Two in Nashville. Has been an anchor in Nashville on on their main political show and in their evening news for what thirty years now or so. A long time. So, He's like a yeah. staple in the households of Nashville. He is. And, and he's uh, we been talk- around besides just, you know, covering Nashville events. I mean, he's, he's actually covered some national news and, and international news as well. Yeah. So he's been around and, um, and I thought it was a very good interview. We had, we had a great conversation with him about a lot of different things about covering the news about, you know, the future of journalism. What's it like to cover Tennessee politics these days and got into a lot of, a lot of cool things. So we, we appreciated his time. We'll get to that in a minute. Speaking of news, um, you know, President Biden was overseas for the last week at the. Really? Was he? <laughs> well, I felt yes, like that's was. all I saw in the news was was Joe Biden's trip to Europe. And, um, you know, mixed reviews, almost as, you know, almost like Kamala Harris's trip to South America. It seems like the, you know, the news is doing everything they can try to cover for him, but it's not uh, still still getting some 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 mixed reviews. Yeah, but you know what's interesting is even the even what I would classify as, and we could talk about this later, but uh, what I classify as the more left leaning news um, was even criticizing his trip. Yeah, which was interesting to me. Well, and it was interesting that a CNN reporter kind of broke Biden for a minute there, where he kind of you know, pulled his "come on, man" almost, and are you kidding me? You know, you don't, you never ask me any positive questions, which was, you know, incredibly laughable, but, uh, um, you know, and, I, another, I guess not- and again, another scripted, uh, news conference where he had it pre-planned where who, what reporters he was going to call on. And he, he says it again. It's so weird. He keeps saying, I have to follow my list or I'll get in trouble. It's like, which I'm, makes, I'm sorry, yeah, to, I'm, that makes me scared. <laughs> I mean, when Vladimir Putin has a freewheeling press conference, and our American president does it. That's a little scary. Yeah, it's uh, it's just this. It's just a weird, weird time. It just, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. But the, the, that's those are the news news this week. We had Biden overseas, and um, you know, that's about it. Tennessee made the College World Series, which we're excited about. And Vanderbilt. And well, <laughs> and Vanderbilt. We are a statewide podcast. You're right. Um, but I'm excited about Tennessee. I will say this. That Tennessee-LSU game was really good. I yeah. I mean, series yeah. was really good. Uh, the first night was a nail-biter. Yeah. And then the second day was just a blowout. Blowout. It was, it was, well, it was good. The, the Omaha fences will be a little closer to uh, – or a little further out than where they are in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. So maybe not as many home runs as that 
second LSU game. But uh, Tennessee's no, but kind I, of a, I will say this: my wife has been to the. Um, she grew up. Her dad was a baseball coach, and she just loves baseball. She's been to the World Series twice. And I would say that anybody listening to this, if they want to go see some really good baseball, they should go to Omaha and watch the balls and Vanderbilt. Yeah, it's, I'm excited about it. I won't be able to go to It's supposed to be Omaha, a great experience. We're, we're excited to, to be a part of it. It's been a long time as a ball fan. Um, so we're, we'll, we'll cheer them on and hopefully see a Vanderbilt-Tennessee final uh, in next weekend. So we get to talk about it again maybe and have households broken over, over which team to cheer for. So we were talking about a little country music last week with Jack Johnson. And he was talking about how George Strait and Merle Haggard were his uh, heroes. But he we also talked about uh, a guy who's going to have a big concert coming up, huh? Yeah, the governor announced a big, big concert July 31st at Nissan Stadium. Tennessee and Music City are fully open and they're wanting to celebrate with Garth Brooks um, July 31st at Nissan Stadium. It's, it sounds like they're going to try to pack the stadium and have the biggest biggest concert ever. They're, 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 that's what they're shooting for. Uh, well, so, he has a history of packing stadiums, so yeah. that's a good choice. He'll, uh, it'll, it, this is going to be fun to watch. We'll see what happens. Um, should be a big night in Nashville July 31st. Mark it down. Mark it down. Um, well, what do you say we get to the interview, Devaney? Yeah, let's do it. I, I really enjoyed talking to Bob. You know, you and I have both done his show many times and, you know, kind of worked with him, you know, behind the scenes as well. Uh, but it was kind of interesting to get his just his take on today's, you know, um, the way news is now compared to 30 years ago and, you know, just some of his anecdotes. I agree. So without further ado, here is our conversation with News Channel 2 anchor Bob Mueller. We have a pretty special guest with us today, Demaney. We have yeah, a the, veteran. The veteran news anchor. That means I'm an old guy. <laughs> the veteran <laughs> well, news anchor for Channel 2 News, WKRN in Nashville, Bob Mueller. Bob, thanks nice for being with us. Nice to see you, gentlemen. It's always yeah. Chris Squared. That's yeah. right. Thanks, thanks, thanks Bob, right. for being here. We've, uh, we go way back. We've done your show several times, your I, Sunday morning show. You always brought a lot of intuitive information to it. Uh, I love to pick people's brains who have been other places besides Tennessee and seen other worlds, and it's always interesting to see how that relates to what's happening in Tennessee, how we're all part of that big picture out there, and it, it all blends together. That's right. We're the living embodiment of a blind squirrel yeah. getting a nut every now and then. So, <laughs> yeah, um, no, we've, we've enjoyed it. We've, we've, we've worked on many a television show, and uh, we got to know each other even more during the gubernatorial yeah. race a few years ago. And The debates were a lot of fun. Maybe not for you guys, but I really enjoyed doing <laughs> well, them. We had our moments. <laughs> we were actually talking not about Not the candidates, but behind the scenes. <laughs> we were actually talking about that on the way over. You know, we even went down to, like, the, the car deal of who got to go, and um, you guys just did a great job. We, we did so many debates and forums during the campaign that year, and every time you guys just had the best produced— oh, well, thank you. Um, you know, just well, well thought out, good questions. And I truly really, believe, and I think you guys believe the same way, that people do want to hear from the people that they're going to elect, whether they're in political people or not. I right. think they want to hear from the people that are going to be leading the state or leading the country. And I think it's important that we as broadcasters provide that message. And I was really proud of what Nexstar did with our debates, taking it across the state, being in all three grand divisions, right. doing the Senate race and the governor's race. That was a big commitment on the station and the group's part as expense-wise, and I'm, I was really proud of what we did, and I was proud of the product, too. Well, and you can see when it's missing 
how how much that discussion of campaigns don't necessarily get your perspective. You know, if, if there's a cycle where there's not a debate, it just, you know, you're kind of relying on just not a complete picture sometimes on how to vote. Just TV so, ads. Yeah, so it's really important, I thought. And for you us guys to know too, out. you know, political commercials, press conferences, they're all part of the, of the agenda. They're all part of the need to get people elected. But you get into a debate setting and sometimes you get into areas that maybe don't get brought up, uh, more personal, more private matters, more intuitive answers to questions. And I think that is what distinguishes that, that time period when you got an hour with these candidates where you really are doing more than just issues. You're dealing the why. Why do you believe this? What is leading you to that discussion or that decision? And I, th I think that's what made them really important. And I thought we, you guys were really good. All the candidates were really good in answering those questions, being open and upfront. And I think that helps the voters to decide, uh, do I want to get involved with this? Is there somebody I can pick based on what I've heard? I, th I think it's a real positive. Well, we, we, you know, we talked with the governor about it and, you know, we look back on our own on our campaign and certain milestones and every debate performance was certainly a milestone in part because people get to see the non-crafted mm -hmm. version. Um, and, you know, our, we were lucky that we had the guy who most people tended to go, wow, Bill Lee, like he really impressed me or did something that was unexpected. In a lot of cases, that really did make a, a big movement for us to, for, to win that election. Every time we had a good debate performance, we, we knew it when we left. Without judgment, uh, I remember the, first, the very first debate with uh, Governor Lee now in Memphis, and I was, I was completely surprised by what happened that night. Uh, I, I picked... Uh, a different a different event, a different turnout. Yeah. I didn't expect Governor Lee, now Governor Lee, to be bad by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't expect him to be that good. He won that night clearly. Yeah. One of the other candidates I expected to win it easily lost badly. So you never know what's going to happen at those events, but I thought he shined from the very mo first debate and was, was easily the winner of that contest, in, in my opinion, uh, just based on performance. Not necessarily answers, but how he carried himself that night. Well, one of the things that we're trying to do with this podcast, as you said very well, you, you, voters want to hear and learn about, you know, their elected leaders. You know, we want to know, learn more about who gives us our news and who, who are also leaders in our community. And you're certainly one of them. So tell us a little about yourself. Like, give us some background. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a farm Miller. kid from the Midwest. Grew yeah, up baling awesome. hay for a living, and that's how wow. I bought, bought my first. Where in the Midwest? I was, I was born in St. Louis okay. and lived on my grandfather's truck farm. If you know what that is, we grew fruits and vegetables. We grew tomatoes and sweet corn and spring beans, and we got up and harvested them, harvested them from the field, put them in the back of a pickup truck, and drove to a, what was not yet a mall but a shopping center and sold them from the back of our truck. That's what I did until I was about fourth grade, I guess, third grade, when we bought a, a cattle and hog farm in southern Illinois, about 35, 40 miles east of St. Louis, where my parents and I lived for through through my college, high school and college days. And so I grew up as a farm kid, you know, baling hay and cutting beans and cutting hay and cutting uh, wheat. And uh, me and another kid, we bought a an old John Deere baler and we custom baled hay. And that's how I made money to buy my first car. And oh, so, wow. So... I know about hard work. I appreciate hard work, and I yeah. come from a rural background that, you know, we were poor and I didn't know it right. because my <laughs> right. parents were able to make sure I had everything I needed. Maybe yeah. not what I wanted, but what I needed. And right. I praise them for that, and, and they gave me a really good work ethic. 
I think it's important to work hard and do your very best at what you do. You may not always succeed, but if you do your best and try your hardest, then you've succeeded. And I, I credit my parents for that. So when did you decide to kind of, when did you decide to get into journalism and take that path? You know, it, it's clear to me what it was. And I was such a young kid. It was when President Kennedy was assassinated in 1963. I was about nine years old, eight years old. And I was in Catholic school and they stopped the school and bulletin came in and the nuns came in and said the president has been shot actually brought tv in and another bulletin he has died we all went to mass and pray they dismissed school but i remember vividly sitting underneath our kitchen table watching our television for the next four days every instant constant of of that next four days and it just ingrained on me as i watched this i want to be one of the people telling these stories i've seen the replays of that like um they do it in time. Yep. Like the NBC. I've seen the NBC yep. and the CBS. I haven't seen the it's ABC. It's intense. It's intense. I mean, uh, and it's incredible the kind of reporting that was going on. And you had, I think the guy that first reported on it was a dude that did a, a clown show yes. in, in Dallas. That's exactly right. And he just took, he put on his reporter's hat. And, uh, and then and Oswald gets killed. I mean, yeah, you, can, right. you can't, I mean. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. And it was the week before Thanksgiving and you know the you know three TV networks the nation is glued to the television set so that kind of hmm. it was something I knew I wanted to do I want to be one of these people to tell I want to be the first to know and tell other people and then I got lucky in high school when I was about 15 in Highland Illinois a friend of mine's father owned a little radio station in Highland Illinois a little thousand watt AM radio station and one day I got to hang out there and I was just hooked with all the buttons and bells and whistles and he let me do the farm report and that, that was it. And I have been doing- That's something that people actually listen to. Oh, probably. absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I have report. been behind a microphone or in front of a TV camera, I think almost constantly since that time when I was 15 years old. And that's 50 years ago. Wow. <laughs> and so I went to college, went to broadcasting in Southern Illinois University. I was the report at the radio station as a disc jockey, as a news director, as a sports director, did play-by-play, did, did it all. Uh, loved every minute of it, couldn't get enough of it. And remember vividly being in college. This is what's so small world about the, the world we live in. And list, we're on an NPR station and listening to the Watergate hearings and cutting actualities, sound bites from the video, from the audio tapes of Fred Thompson and oh, Howard Fred, Baker. Yeah. And then years later, I actually get to meet these people and interview these yeah, people as, as a reporter here in Tennessee. So it all comes full circle, and it's a little spooky in some ways. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> and so I, I remember telling Senator Baker, I interviewed him several times, the last time as he was coming back as for being ambassador to Japan, about you know listening to him on the, on the radio and cutting his actualities, and he thought that was... Uh, Really, kind of, kind of a cool insight into oh, yeah. forty years earlier mm. when he was in that Watergate hearing. Wow! I remember talking with Fred as his driver, you know, just about Watergate. And, I mean, I really. Did you drive the red truck? <laughs> no, um, just my old gold Camry. You know, a funny story about that. I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast or not, but um, I was driving Fred one time, and uh, you know, twenty-three or twenty-two, and. He went to this dinner, and um, you know it's, it was this high highfalutin dinner with Ver, at Vernon Jordan's house, and um, he comes out and gets in the car, and, and you know it's a Friday night or something, and he goes, you know, 
you're the only non-black Lincoln town car out here. <laughs> <laughs> Your gold Camry. Yeah, my gold Camry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, Senator, I guess I need a raise. And he goes, oh, I backed myself into that one. <laughs> Fred Thompson was, was quite a study. Forget about his politics. He was John Wayne. He filled he the room was. the minute he walked in, that booming voice. I mean, he just commanded presence. Uh, he was. I enjoyed interviewing him. I got to interview him several times on my political show, and he was always fun to interview. Yeah, and and to give some perspective on the radio here, I mean, we're overlooking the Channel Two WKRN newsroom, which is full of people. Yeah, they're you back. Know, back. We're all back. Uh, this is pretty pretty neat conference room you have. Oh, here. thanks. Yeah, but then, wasn't there like a, like, wasn't there a Fred Thompson Jim Cooper debate? Yes, here. here. Yeah, In that's studio. what I thought. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. was ninety. To going back to debates yeah. and yeah. Fred Thompson. Yes. Yeah, that was the 96 race, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. It was held in 94 race. Yeah. That's right, 94 race. I was there, and, and there were like all these protesters yes. out, out front, you know, outside, and it was just insane to just get in through the gate. Yep. Uh, they, we had I police mean, out there, we had ex security out there. It was crazy. But crazy. that debate actually made a difference at the it, campaign. It turned the I campaign. I remember, yeah, it turned the campaign. It, it may have turned anyway, but it, it turned it. It, it was, a, it was one of those campaign. moments. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it did. So this is the second time, you know, in this, in this conversation we've talked about debates mm -hmm. having a big impact. How do you approach that responsibility? You know, as a as an anchor, as a as an as an honest broker, as a voice that people listen to and get their information. How do you approach that responsibility? Because it's a big one. And, well, it is. You know, I, yeah. I, I agree. And and when we prepared for the debates with you guys with, for the gubernatorial debates and the Senate debates, we had a whole team, and we met for days, uh, bouncing questions off each other and and discussing possible answers and not wanting to get the, the pack answer. What can we do to make them dig a little deeper? So we would, we would game plan a little bit. What do you think he might say if you ask it this way as opposed to you ask it this way? We're trying to get to the core of the person and the core of the answer as opposed to the, the easy answer. And so we did take it seriously. We did a lot of research. We did, we did polling and work with Vanderbilt. What are, what are Tennessee voters interested in? What are the issues that they want to hear about? And that helped us. Healthcare was a big issue. Yeah. Um, uh, trying to remember, there was two or three others at, that came up at the time, and I can't remember anymore. But they, we were able to to form questions based on what the viewers and the voters were telling us. I think um, I think the thing that made it really uh, intuitive was b looking at the research and then looking at the answers that came from the candidates, you could tell that in some ways they knew the, the issues that were hot too as, as well as we did. They knew those top issues, but they would get caught sometimes when there would be something in there they weren't prepared for that were, was of interest to viewers. I think it was infrastructure or, or road repair or something that was really high on the list and was a little surprising they weren't prepared for it. So those are the kinds of things that, that we did to try to prepare ourselves so that we could get the, the root answers and really the core of, of these issues discussed. Well, when you get to, uh, when you're on the campaign trail and you're talking to, you know, your, your regular activist mm -hmm. in a county, you probably, you sometimes get a, you know, kind of a, you know, a condensed version of what's important to a specific subset of the voter electorate. You know, when you get into a broader scope, like in a general election or in your case, the debates and polling, there are some different questions. Oh, yeah. You're not hearing at a Reagan Day dinner in a Republican Party or a, you know, um, Lincoln Day dinner or, a, you know, a, a Jackson Day dinner with the Democrats. It's just there's a poll polling effect. And so that's interesting to hear. 
how do you guys uh, react to debates? When you, when you look at your candidates and you see the questions that we have come forward, are you anticipating uh, what we are anticipating in regards to where we're going to go with this thing? Are you surprised I'm, at all by I'm, any of the questions? I'm texting you hate texts <laughs> saying, I can't believe you asked my candidate that question. Um, Did we catch you off guard at any time? I thought everybody was I mean, was you try to prepare. Yes. You try to look we, at every practice angle. a lot. Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, you there don't just go on. I'm sure there's some candidates that just roll in. But anybody I've been involved with, we... There was one question in the debate that I felt like we didn't practice for, and I honestly, goodness, can't remember what but it was. You know, now, you can't but practice for you can't practice for no, everything. No. You know, the but thing there was one question I, can't, I remember being like, "Ooh, I don't remember practicing <laughs> that," and he did great. But you, you, you just you, you, you do try to anticipate similarly. Um, you know what's going to be important. How is Bob going to ask this question, and how do you um, go about being ready to kind of cogently put yep. your case for it? Um, I get asked a lot too about coverage and about you know political ideology and stuff like that. And I and I, and I tell people all the time is they say, how do you figure out what you're going to ask somebody or what you're going to put on TV that night? And I say, well, if I'm dealing with politicians, I'm dealing with Senator Haggerty and Senator Blackburn. I've done this long enough. I know talking points. Talking points are not news. Talking points are talking points. That's what they are trying to do. But on the other hand, a talking point might be news in that Senator Haggerty came to town and did several different stops on infrastructure at, at companies that would be involved with infrastructure, even though he opposes, and I knew he opposes, the uh, breadth of President Biden's infrastructure bill. It's news that he is here saying, this is how these companies would benefit from an infrastructure bill even though I don't like all of this, this is where Tennessee can benefit. That to me is the news value as opposed to him saying, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I do not support his bill because it has uh, wide band and whatever else in it. Right. That's, those are talking points. But when you get to the details, Senator Blackburn, I know she opposes what he's doing at the border, but that's not real news. That's kind of, we know that. When she goes to the border, which she did, which we covered, and talks to the people down there and looks at the fencing and, t and gives, that to me is when it becomes news. So that's kind of how I try to explain to people. We get a lot of input, but you have to cut through what I what is part of my job, the message and the messenger, and get to, to the root of it. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. 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 Um, so going back to like historical, you've been doing this a long time in the, in the business. I mean, give us a, you have a couple of anecdotes, some of your favorite moments. Oh my. Maybe we'll just keep it yeah. to campaigns maybe for, uh, for right a, now. A long time ago moment, President Reagan, 84, I think it was 84, was in Smithville. And I can't remember what he was in Smithville. For. Wow. Okay. We're covering it. And, and th you know, it's, this is different in 84. <laughs> we're, he's right there. We're right underneath him. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's different. <laughs> yeah, it's and a lot different. It's a lot different. And uh, I'm, I was close, not quite as close, but Secret Which Service. Which is kind of amazing since he had, you know, yeah, it's assassination yeah. on him. But he's on the stage in Smithville, right. and we're right below him. And this is the old days of videotape when we got a great big giant camera and a big hookup cord and a big deck next to us. And as the president starts speaking, the tape jams. Oh, no. And he's right there. And oh. 
what do you do? So literally, I'm taking, I'm using dimes, and I'm taking this thing apart while he's speaking. I get the tape out and get it back in there, and we get it going, and honest to gosh, the President of the United States looks at us and goes, are you working now? Is that going on? <laughs> well, he wants to make sure it's working. I mean, you know. So that was my Reagan story. That's hilarious. He saw what we were doing, and we, we did get enough to get the story back. A, a, a more poignant story, I'll, I'll never forget this, and it brings chills to me to, to talk to this story. 2002 in February after 9-11, uh-huh. so we're five months after 9-11, I go to Afghanistan with 101st Airborne. They're replacing the Marines. They're the first units in after the real fighting is going on. We get on this giant plane at Fort Campbell. It's a World Airlines plane, you know, and it's filled with these kids, and they are kids. They're kids. They're 19 years old. There's 400 people on this plane, and it's a long flight, and it's noisy, and they're, you know, they're teenagers, and they're, they're having a, you know, they're yeah. loud, and they're doing their thing, and three, four hours, two hours, whatever, into the flight, the captain comes on the radio and says, we're now over New York City, and he begins to bank, excuse me, and he says, we're over ground zero, and he circles over ground zero, and the plane kind of leans, and everybody's looking out the windows, and it goes dead quiet, Mm -hmm. and you can see the Klieg lights, you can still see smoke, you can see the pit, Uh, you can see people, we're 40,000 feet, but you can see all this, and it was at that moment, you know, the feeling, you could just feel it in the plane, these young men knew why they were there. We knew why we were going with them. And everybody's demeanor changed from that moment on for the rest of the flight. It, 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 the, the excitement and the frivolity was all gone. Mm-hmm. We understood, they understood that this was serious business. This is why they were going there and it just changed. It, it brings chills to me to, to see, you can see the demeanor change on these young people's faces. And so that, that was one of my more poignant moments and watching Watching the, Mar- the sergeants uh, in Afghanistan take care of these 18, 19-year-old kids, and really a mother hand them was impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, these kids, you know, they'd never been anywhere like this before. They were lost, and they wanted to do their best, and these people really did a nice job of taking care of them. The other thing from that, from that mission, from that trip, was we were there two weeks, and remember, 2002, technology is not what it was today, but it, it was for some people. And there was the, the, the spooks. There were the, the special ops guys in one corner in their black T-shirts and all this stuff up in the air, these satellites and stuff that we didn't know what was. And nobody went near them. But you, you, found, you knew later yeah. what was going on over there and what, what, what this technology was. So very insightful trip. Wow. One final one, if I don't want to... Please. No, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I am the... The name twin of Robert Mueller. Yes. He pronounces it Mueller, I pronounce oh, gosh, it Mueller. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. during that trip, I had a source with the 101st Airborne who kind of went, hey, kid. Uh, John Walker Lynn, the American Taliban, the first yeah. American to fight for the Taliban, yeah. Yeah. had yeah. been arrested, was on the Pelisu in the Arabian Sea, and was going to be brought back to Kandahar to be taken to the United States to be prosecuted. And I was told this was going to happen and that the new FBI director, Robert Mueller, was going to be here to take him. And this is where it was going to take place. I'm on the satellite phone with ABC. I'm doing a live broadcast with, with Peter Jennings, broadcasting this as it happened. We're the only ones there. Uh, here comes the, the bus. They escort him out. Here comes Robert Mueller. I'm asking him a couple of questions. 
he just completely ignores me. I keep asking, it's obvious he's not gonna answer any questions. And he looks at me and I had a giant name tag on from the 101st said Robert Mueller. And I went like this. <laughs> and he kind of went and kept going. Gave me the thumbs up, never answered. That's my whole interaction with Robert Mueller. But, never <laughs> but he never answered a question. <laughs> when, uh, when we were in DC, um, we went to church with him. And so, or at St. John's, and so he always sat right behind us. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of interesting to, you know, have the black SUV drop him off on the side and, like, ooh, who's this important guy? And you see, you know, Bob Mueller come yeah. out. And he was there every Sunday. Um, and uh, when you're in DC, you just get to see some yeah. of those cool things. And, you know, I obviously wouldn't trade it for Nashville now, but, uh, you know, in those days, similar days, it was just um, so much history. Oh. Um, but we're living it even now. I mean, there's been a lot of history of the last year and a half, too. So, Well, it's interesting, too, about the way my business has changed. I mean, I would not want to start today. I'm glad I had the time I had, and I will cherish these experiences. because Yeah, I was going to ask you that. That was one of my questions. Like, what's changed? It's, it, well, it's I mean, changed because of money, and it's changed because of technology. I mean, I've seen it change. I mean, you know, I, mean, I got to go to Japan. Reporters. I got to go to Russia. I got to go to Afghanistan. I got yeah. to go to political conventions in Philadelphia and New York and like California. We don't do that anymore. We have TV stations that we own in those markets. So these kids don't get this, those experiences of me right. being on the floor in Madison Square Garden when Bill Clinton got the inauguration, the nomination, being in Philadelphia when George Bush got the nomination, being in, in the Staples Center when Al Gore got the I mean, that's history. That's why I wanted to do this. And these kids will never get that opportunity yeah. because it's too expensive. They don't have to spend the money, and they can get the same kind of product. You don't get the same well, yeah, part almost, of it, but you... I almost feel like sports broadcasting is going to change because of the pandemic. Yep. Because you have all these people that were broadcasting from their homes yep. doing play-by-play. -play. Yep. Never and seeing now, the game. Watching and, it on exactly. a monitor. And, you know, as a consumer, I can't totally tell the difference. I think there's a difference. And if difference. you're a business owner, can, yeah. you, can, you, can you rationalize the expense anymore? Right. I mean, you, so that's a big change. I can that's tell watching basketball because you could. It's oh quieter yeah, yeah, because it's so a weirdly it's a, yeah. quiet. Like when they, I could tell when they were. You doing can tell. It at home. And anyway, different different subject, but uh, you can tell there is that impact of being there, mm -hmm. and it's just it's not the well, same. Well, you, doing you get different stories when you're that's there. Right. I mean, I covered when I, my first job, Bob was. Uh, I covered the Oklahoma legislature as a reporter, a radio reporter, and. Well, first off, I don't think you would have a radio reporter anymore covering the Oklahoma <laughs> legislature. But they were like, I have a picture of the whole uh, legislature, you know, the whole, all the people that cover the legislature. Capitol and Hill the, Press Corps. Yeah, yeah the press corps, yeah, right. And it's like 25, 30 yeah, people, 30 people in Oklahoma. There's 30 people here. I bet there's like four. Yeah, it, you, well, in, in the <laughs> I mean, 80s, 90s, and even zeros, I mean, there was 30 people up on the Capitol Hill yeah. Press Corps. Every TV right. station had a dedicated person. It, it doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't. It, it's just, it's a different time. And like I said, I would not change it because this aspect of what I love to cover, politics, is not as high on the priority list anymore. But isn't it interesting that some when we're talking about budgets for all of these local stations and everything else, there's still a need for that information. Oh, yes. And so how how are we getting that information 
from these trusted sources when there are just fewer folks over there? Wouldn't that mean instead of doing the national convention stuff, wouldn't that would, couldn't that budget be spent on on the state capital or something like that? Would, it, where does that it's, like, it's, fill it's, back in? It's above my above <laughs> my pay grade, obviously. But yeah, that, those those are I think are legitimate concerns, and and we have those concerns because you miss stories if you don't have people there. You just right. do. Right. Uh, and again, it's it's because of the vastness. It's because of the expanse of the of the medium. It's not three TV stations. It's not even twenty four cable stations. It's a gazillion plus websites and podcasts, and that's what we're competing. We really like podcasts, yeah. though. So, yeah. and, and people can choose. People, people can choose, can their choose news. and it, and it's and what they want. And to they hear. can DVR us, and mm-hmm. so it's it's not about it's about getting eyeballs, but it's also about okay, what is the content that's going to be the most interactive with people? And so what can we also transpose that relates to the website? How can we join these together? And so the big events still are important. Elections, uh, campaigns, debates, those kinds of things. Disasters. Conventions. Big issues, but having someone at the legislature every day Mm-hmm. Maybe not, or or if they if we do, you may not get a story from them every day. When I was there, I did it one or two stories every day. Right. I was up there, wow. uh, and that's that's just changed. That's yes. a lot. Two yeah. stories to put together, two packages. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, I did, I did I the radio about that. That was, but that's different. You know, you're like churning out like thirty second, you know. Deals. I mean, to put together a TV package. Well, and, and, that's a, and that's pretty the, how the technology has changed. You know, it used to be for my political show, I would have someone would help me write it. We'd have a whole crew who recorded it. We'd have editors put together. I do it all. Mm-hmm. I book my guests. I write the show. I edit the show, and they record me. So that's how it's changed. Yeah. It's just, it's mm-hmm. just, and it's okay. Uh, I still think it's important to do, but it's just changed in, in how the whole process happens. That's, I mean, I just want to go back to the two stories a day thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even sure what we did was that interesting. <laughs> oh, you know, it was fun. Somebody would always do something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a different yeah. time, too. It was a different time. It's almost more boring now, in a way, per- on purpose, because there were so many stories back in the day of just, you know, crazy situations yes, yeah. that there it's was, like people were like, we can't do that anymore. No, and thank you no. for good reason. There but was you know, filibusters on the floor yeah, and those, yeah. you know, there was there was a lot of stuff that took place that would never happen now. Fascinating. So where what, where do you see journalism going from here? And maybe well, that's a bit of your pay grade again, but uh, what I what I really believe, I, I think network news at some point may actually go away. Local news will always be here because yeah. nowhere else but these local stations can you find out about your local community and if we do a good job at that we will survive we we are watched more than network is watched uh we have bigger audiences during the pandemic our audiences grew one people were stuck in their houses but they wanted to find out information about it absolutely and not just what was going on in washington but where i could find the vaccine where i could get tested how do i do that that kind of information that you can't get from david muir is why we're going to survive and continue to grow and as long as we do a good job at that, local TV will always be here. There may not be three or four or five stations in every market, but there will be local TV. You can get what's on David Muir nine other places, That's if right. not more than that. So I think they have a more difficult time uh, surviving because it's no longer appointment TV. People don't sit at home at 6 o'clock and turn me on. 
if they may have me on, but they, they're not, it's not appointment television anymore. They're DVRing me. They're watching me while they're getting their kids ready for soccer practice. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a different yeah. world, and you have to adapt to that. I mean, yeah. I watch the network news, but I think I'm the exception. Well, we're the junkies. My, my, I watch it, too. My kids <laughs> look at me like, what are you watching? Yes. <laughs> and why are you watching and this? I'm tw- like, well, I want to It's like you're holding an 8-track. And while it's not, it's not bad, this is just technology, but these 20-somethings in here don't watch TV. They watch it all on their, their right. platform, their That's phone, right. or, their, or their TikTok, or... Uh, Yahoo News. I mean, that's where they get their news. And so that's why we have to be conjoined with those formats and with those those uh, platforms or you or you lose those. That audience. So do you guys do you see if it, uh, in the future WKRN doing quick two minute TikToks yeah. throughout the day? And I, that- I think more like what I've been doing is like I'll do do my show, but I'll take a three, four minute interview segment from my show and post that online yeah. as a way to tease the show as also content for the web. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that we do. And I think that there's going to be more and more, especially during breaking news events, a lot of, of uh, simulcasts on the web. I mean, we've been covering this trial live, gavel to gavel. That's the kind of stuff we can do on the web that we can't do on TV. Who was your, who was, I mean, just in terms of going back to you, have you ever done an interview where somebody was just so ticked off that yes. you just, even on set, I mean, yes. you, just, you felt it? And I, do, I still to this day don't know what the problem was. Robert Bork, after he had been denied the Supreme Court ship, and I can't remember what it was, what he was doing here, but they came to town, he had an availability, and was inviting had a, had a book maybe maybe a book yeah. or something inviting people to come in and interview him. So I asked the questions you would ask Robert Bork, and he's going, "Well, is that what you're going to ask me?" He was just pissed from the get go. He didn't want to be there. And I'm like, I was a kid. This was in the '80s, and I'm kind of going, "Listen, I don't have to be here. You invited us. If you don't want to answer the questions, it's fine with me. We'll leave." And he then we did the interview, but it was very strange. Oh, it was wow. very strange. Interesting. I had, uh, I will not name the person. Uh, a, a candidate for governor who was a Republican years ago <laughs> on my political show who was not happy with the way I was interviewing him and during the commercial breaks would just grill me. You call this an interview? This is, I know this is Sunday grilling. I thought this was Sunday. Da, 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 oh just going after me. I told Billy to stop doing that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> And so that was a little uncomfortable. But I, but it I was got, not Billy. But, but I got record. through it. I got through it. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. So you have those moments. Yeah. Interesting. Does As the Speaker it... of the House, I'll say this. This was Jimmy Nafee, was Speaker of the House. And I, we had done a series of stories on the legislature that won us a Peabody Award. <laughs> so the, the stories were pretty good. Yeah. On them going to conventions but not spending the money on conventions. We had them in their golf course and at the time. And so we showed these stories, and they were not happy about it. I'm at the 92 convention for Bill Clinton, and I'm up there in the balcony of the, of the uh, Madison Square Garden, and Jimmy Nafee comes running up these stairs, finger-wagging at me. You did not tell that story correctly. You <laughs> so those are the things you deal with. <laughs> having been in that position, having to do that. I was about I, to I say, understand. yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I know. I, I've, had to, I've had to tersely communicate yeah, with reporters yeah. every Sometimes now Sometimes too terse. And I don't yeah, wanna, yeah. yeah. It's that's part of the funny. business. It's that's part funny. of the business. Um, well, that's, you know, I'm sure Ned Ray had something to say about that, too. Yes, I'm, he actually didn't. Uh, it was 
It was just Navy. <laughs> it was just Navy. <laughs> I've had press secretaries go off on me a few times, but, you know, that's always part of the deal. Who's your uh, broadcasting idol? You know, th- th- that's a good one. For and lack of a better word. I-, I really like Peter Jennings, and I was actually, friends is not the right word, acquaintances. Yeah. I met Peter Jennings in 1988 in Atlanta at the convention when Al Gore was running for president in 88. And he recognized that I was from Nashville and said, hey, kid, you know, what do you know about this Gore guy, da-da-da-da-da. And he kept in contact, and twice a year he'd send me an email and then when Gore became vice president, and he came here a couple of times, we had dinner one night. And so I would get an email from him every now and then. What's going on in Tennessee? Is Gore going to do this? Da, da, da. He ran for president. I, the last time I did an interview with him, I think, was at the Staples Center in 2000. He was on with, like, the first anchor on the floor, and he had this 2000 technology, all kinds of gear on him. He was going to be broadcasting live from the floor. Uh, so he was kind of my idol. I was actually a little, uh, when he passed away, it was really sad because I've, yeah. been, I've still kept the emails that he sent me. And so oh, wow. not to get those emails was, was kind of kind of sad. But like I said, we weren't friends, but being an acquaintance with someone like that, he was another one. He, when he entered the room, he filled the room. This That's guy right. was, he, he was the real deal. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. He was professional. He was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you missed, I remember you were talking about kind of, Older days, you know, you, I remember just Brokaw, Rather, mm-hmm. Jennings, you know, I wasn't at the White House then, but, you know, you you saw before State of the Union, the, the President Bush would bring them in and all that just, it was a, it was a lunch with all the anchors yeah. just to talk about what he was going to do. And you're, you're just having those discussions and you kind of feel like that's not, that doesn't happen anymore. No, not, the, not the way it did then. It's, yeah. but, and I think it's because of such an expanse of, of the medium. I yeah. mean, you know, in the 80s, there were still only three or four networks on a few cable channels, but not a lot. But that's not the way it is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the 60s when there was only three and, you know, it was Huntley Brinkley and Cronkite and uh, who was on ABC? Uh, oh, oh, I can't think of his name. I can't either. I can see him, but I can't think of his name. But yeah. There were just just a few people that uh, I'm blanking. I can see him, and I came before Jennings, and I can't. Jennings was actually there in this that for when he was like 27 years old. Oh wow! Well, I'm aging aging myself a little bit, but I always I only knew Brinkley as ABC because he was yep. this week, and I just just that form he had, you know, just cool. It just was fascinating. David Brinkley, yeah, yeah. With this uh, <laughs> cadence. He was always oh, terrific. He was NBC, uh, right? First, he, he and Huntley Brinkley, first then went to ABC. right, right. right. Everybody remembers Walter Cronkite for CBS, right. but if you go back and look, Huntley and Brinkley were the kings. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they were the, the ratings kings. Yeah. Oh. So Nashville's home. I mean, we, part of this, we, you know, we could tell stories forever, but like, <laughs> you know, like, what do you like to do here in town? Like, what are the I'm, things? I'm so lucky. Things? I've got all my kids here. I've got a new grandson, which is fantastic. So all awesome. my kids are here and all working here, and that's great. And this... I've been in Tennessee since 78, so, you know, this is pretty much home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a few more years left, and whenever I retire, I'll do something here. But I, even when I get done, I, w- I want to do something. To st- I want to stay involved. But this is a young person's business. I'm living on borrowed time. I-, I know that, and I enjoy every day that I continue doing it. And hopefully I can continue to do it for a little while longer. Uh, but I, we really just love the fact that you have it's, you still get a bang for your buck. It's a beautiful state. There's so much to do here. Um, you know, why leave? Yeah. Yeah. You like to golf. You like oh, yeah, to, I play you know, golf. Yeah, I yeah. just bought a boat last year, the COVID boat. Everybody the COVID boat. <laughs> <laughs> I had one years ago, and I got one again. And so we go out and 
That's wakeboard awesome. and ski, ski, and I play hockey with my son. I still play, really? still play wow. ice hockey. Well, you know, wow. we talked to Lieutenant Governor McNally, and he was still playing lacrosse. Yes. You know, we should probably have, you know, some type of... He and I are fraternity tour. brothers. Really? We're both SIGEPs. <laughs> well, what's interesting is Speaker Sexton and Lieutenant Governor McNally went to the same high school. Oh, so wow. there's like a lot of weird yeah, connections. I, I ran into Speaker uh, uh, McNally at uh, Thelma Harper's memorial service and told him, I said, we're fraternity brothers. He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when, when, if somebody's coming in from out of state, where do you tell them to go that's kind of offbeat? Oh, Nashville. I well, mean, there's so many places to go in this town now, but I'm a local guy. You know, you go to Jimmy Kelly's or you go to yeah. Sperry's. I like the local places. You Sperry's go, is the best. You can go to the right to the King like Prime and all places. those places, but that's where I tell them to go. You want to see somebody? Go to, go to Jimmy Kelly's. Go to go to Sperry's. Go to oh, what's what's a good place? I, I did, those are the places I would send them. The yeah. key about Sperry's is the salad bar. Yes. Any, any place with <laughs> Which a salad got bar. discontinued during COVID. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. But have they brought it back? I believe so. Good. I haven't been back yet. But I have, yeah, the cold plates. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the best. Reminds yeah. me of my childhood a little bit. It's terrific. <laughs> yeah. It's great stuff. What do you guys see from the media? Yeah, that's always interesting to get a perspective from someone outside see, of this it. this is the last time we interview any journalist. They, like, they, they have always turn it around. Like, turn it around on you. I don't know what you think you're doing. We're interviewing you. But it's always no, it's no, always it's shrunk. A, I mean, and, and, I, and I do think that people are segregated in terms of what they want to listen to or hear that will validate their opinions. And that's on all sides. It is on Political all sides. Side. It, it's, it's, to and, me... Regardless of the politics that you believe in, it's a sad time right now because we cannot fill this divide, and you don't go forward until this divide gets crossed. It, it, there's always going to be partisan politics. That's part of the deal. But there's got to be agreement on some of these issues, and nothing is getting done right now. It's just so partisan. And I do, I do think that's because of the news consumption, or lack thereof. Yes, well, I agree. Uh, look at the New York Times. I mean, it's not, it's not the same paper it was no, 30 years no. ago. And so much of the younger crew that's coming in come in with a, with an ideological bent, and you just see it in the reporting. And it, it, it becomes harder and harder to see it with the level of gravitas that it had. Oh, I, yeah, because like, it's, it's editorialized right. so much. I mean, and that was I'm one like, of the cardinal sins when I, of me coming up. That's that was the thing that you did not do. Well, exactly. You, did, you were. We all to, have. A, do I have a bias? Absolutely. I've got worldviews. I've got my background. This is all what we bring to the table. But you also are a professional, and you try to. You don't succeed all the time, but you try to at least a, approach both aspects of a story and both points of view, and let and let the people decide. I don't decide if you're right or wrong. That's for my viewers to decide. And the problem is. The news people are deciding what's right or wrong now on certain yeah. people. And right. that, that to me, yeah, it's, more of a national, it's more of a national thing. It is phenomenon. more of a national thing. When, when, it's like the, you were taught like when, what, and where. Who, what, where, when, and not why. why. What's your opinion? No. I mean, that just, you know, and, I always, and now I feel like it's, I was always taught, and it's different now. I, you're not part of the story. You want right. to be in the background. You're yeah. telling the story. Well, and, and that's from a staff, former staffer's point of view. We were never the news. Right. You know, I never wanted to be in a news article when I was staffing a senator or governor or anything else. And the the change into kind of celebrity consulting and celebrity staffing and. There's a lot of money that comes out of that now, and so you, 
you turn into a situation where um, there's almost too much money in it. And I, you know, everyone yeah. needs to make a living, and that's great, and I'm not de decrying it, but some of that benefits from that hyper-partisanship. And over time, um, you just, you're not getting all the information. Um, but I have, I really appreciate what you're saying about local news. I, I, it's part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing some on the national level is working with local news because it's, it really is like the last place where you're getting true information, you know, um, without that massive filter, you're still doing it the right way in most, most cases. Um, and that means a lot. Now, there are certain outliers, obviously, and I think if you talk to a lot of activists on either side, they'd say one side or the other oh, is sure. really biased. But on the whole, particularly on the local television angle, I mean, at least with what you guys do in particular, there's that, that ability to just really have honest discussion and, and just presenting information, and that's what, been a good thing. What point. always tells me that I'm close to where I should be is when I get criticized for being a total Republican or a total Democrat on the same story. That tells me <laughs> that I'm close to where I should be. Yeah, and I get right. that criticism. You are obviously a lefty. You're obviously a conservative. And yeah. I get both of that. So yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's a sweet spot. If I can be close to that, I think I've done my job. So we've, we've had a tough year of news. Yeah. Um, we're seemingly coming out of it, which is great. What are you looking forward to to getting back to normal and kind of getting back into the routine of pre-COVID? You know, it's, it's interesting because everything is a, is a new step. I went to a restaurant for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Really? Wow. It, it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it was still separated. So you felt, you know, you go into stores and the mask mandates are pretty much gone. But, yeah. you know, should I wear one? Should I not wear one? Some people do. Some people, it's, right. it's, it's all still unclear. I think we're yeah. all still feeling, feeling it out. Yeah. Uh, I got vaccinated. Uh, I believe in the vaccine. I hope people get vaccinated. I don't want anybody to get sick, but I totally respect people's beliefs. If it's not their thing, it's not me to tell them to do it, but I'm a pro-vaccine guy. I don't want to get this thing, and I don't want to give it to my family. Um, I'm looking forward to going to a sporting event. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I want to get into a 100,000-seat uh, arena yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting a little bit back to normal. Just getting out. Yeah, yeah. just get, getting out has been great. We were, uh, I was in Atlanta a couple weeks ago and uh, took, took somebody to a Braves game, and it was just great. Yeah. Sitting outside, you know, getting to just experience that again in a great way. It's just because, you know, we missed most of the yeah. sports last year. Playing a lot of golf has really helped. I yeah. love golf and just being outside without mm -hmm. having to wear a mask. And it, it was a, a big help during that yeah, last year. Just trying to get yeah, through. Yeah. Just a little bit of normalcy. Right. Because it wasn't normal in here for a, for a long, long time. What do you see as the political landscape of the state heading into the next couple of years? Well, obviously, we got some elections coming up. Uh, I you know, I, I don't see a lot of change. Mm -hmm. uh, I see this state continuing to grow. Uh, it's uh, very Republican controlled. I do think that there is some new blood moving in that uh, may be younger, may be uh, a different bent, but I, I don't see a, a big change anytime soon. I think it's a slow, slow process. And regardless of your beliefs, the Democrats in this state are really low on the totem pole. They just don't have the seats, and they need to get more people in the legislature to have a voice. And right now, they don't have that. So I don't see a lot of big change. Hmm. Any other final thoughts, Devaney? I think I'm good. This has been really good. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Been. It was a lot of, yeah. a lot of well, interesting conversation. We just felt like... I, think I respect what you guys do. I respect all the people that enter the political fray. It is not easy. It, it is, you're putting yourself 
naked to the world, and a lot of people don't understand that until they get in there. And so I salute anybody who does, to, tries to serve, whether they win or lose, who takes on the campaign. It is not easy. I, I thought jousting with the media was the toughest <laughs> part, but uh, that's, that's, uh, that's good Jousting with others, yes. Yeah, um, but we appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, there's a reason why we really wanted to interview you, because, you know, you've, you've done it right for so long, and we just, you know, appreciate your voice in this city and in the state. And um, I think know, it's we, important. Yeah, well, and, and we just, we, we're part of the reason why we're doing this is because we want people to be able to get to know the people who are, you know, kind of, leading our state and that's politics that's media that's business and uh you're certainly one of the leaders in the state we appreciate your time that's yeah. kind of it yeah thank you thank you guys thank you bob mueller that was bob mueller devaney any any takeaways on on that interview uh yeah a little bit just sort of a he um i think that really nowadays if you if you really still want objective news you might have to just go to the local stations i think right. i think mueller has always been very objective very fair um i don't know what you think about that i i think that's right i and you know we we talked about it from a standpoint of of generational too there there seems to be a kind of a generational shift on on fairness and coverage with the new new crop of, of journos coming up, it, it seems like there's a little less of a, of a commitment to that level of, of, uh, you know, kind of straight arrow shooting. Um, and, you know, it, it, but we're glad Bob's still around. I mean, that's, that's an, he's an important voice and, and one who tries to get it right. And, um, you know, takes, takes big pains to do so. Um, and I, I think we're, we're lucky to still have him. Uh, the, my other takeaway is just, how much he continues to be um, excited about the news and just the, the, how, how he just loves what he does. And it just comes through when you talk about history, you know, history that he's gotten to cover and history that he's continuing to get to cover. Um, you know, the, this, they, they say sometimes news is the first draft of history. And I, I think he really takes that seriously and, and loves every minute of what he's doing with it. Yeah, I think he really loves his job. And uh, I don't even know how old Bob is, but I know that he's been around a long time. And um, he just, uh, I think he's, I think he's just a good journalist. He is. That's right. Which is hard well, for me to say about a lot of people, about a lot of journalists. <laughs> right. I'm just well, kidding. Especially, to my journalist seeing, friends. especially what we're seeing at the national level these days. It's good to have, it's good to have straight arrows in, in our state still. Um. Well, we're uh, I'm coming to you from the beach this week, and Devaney, I think uh, so. We're we're kind of in separate locations, so we apologize for any audio. I'm coming to you from my rent house after my house burned down. <laughs> right, so. so we're we're kind of still we're still trucking through on podcasting, even though we're in separate locations. So we're 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 excited to keep keep have this come to you, and um, we'll keep it coming next week as well. Well, have a good week, everybody. Thank you, you everybody. Thanks for listening, and everybody have a good weekend. Oh my friend. Something they